Welcome to GP Bullhound's Tech Thoughts, a weekly overview of economic developments in international markets. Hello and welcome to GP Bullhound's Tech Thoughts. Today is the 20th of January. We are here with Inge Haydorn, Jenny Hardy and Nayla Salkovic for our weekly market roundup. Today, the team will cover semi-cap equipment, Netflix updates and the gaming market. Over to them. Thank you, Maria. It's Inge Aiden here, fund manager at GP Bullhound. Hi, everyone. It's Jenny Hardy, portfolio manager at GP Bullhound. Hi, everyone. My name is Nayla, and I work as an analyst here at GP Bullhound. And if we just start with the market update, Inge, what's your comment? Yeah, it, we are in a little bit of a different world for the moment. We had a very sort of bullish market in the beginning of the year, and now we have seen interest rates trending down while the market has been trending down lately in the last few days. And the reason now is that now the market is more focused about growth worries than anything else, and that's dragging down the market. But they're also leaving the tech side in line with the market or even trending slightly better than than the Dow Jones and the S&P. Going over to the tech side, I still think that tech is doing generally well. We have seen some layoffs and so on, but in general, tech is doing decently well in in the things we have seen so far hitting the screens for Q4. And if we jump over to semi, seems like demand for semi-cap spending is holding up well. Jenny, can you tell us more? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this week we saw a uh, surprise positive profit warning from um, one of the semi-cap equipment suppliers, ASMI. Um, Now, if you remember, they positively uh, warned right at the end of November. And actually, looking at the Q4 results, they have come in even better um, than even that updated guidance at the end of November, which really shows that through December, spending um, from uh, the semiconductor players clearly remained quite robust. And we also think that uh, some of the anticipated weakness that we thought might come from the China restrictions actually hasn't uh, come through. So um, that was that was positive and, and indeed positive for um, all of our holdings in the semi-cap equipment space. Yeah, and, and interesting also, book-to-bill was above one, even if they raised their guidance on sales quite a lot, and book-to-bill is still above one. So our argument is still that we think, yes, utilization rates will go down in Q1 and Q2, and it slipped already in December a little bit, but spending levels will be kept quite high as the founders think that things will recover in the second half and the order books looks good for them for the second half. So the confidence is there on a, on a quite quick bounce back. We will see if that happens, but that's that's the, the interpretation we have on how we can see how they're acting. And they're also not moving around a lot of capacity in order to boost uh, utilizations very short term. So, for example... Uh, oh, we talked about UMC, UME, Yenny, and and, the, and their guidance. UMC is the little brother of TSMC. They are spending roughly three billion in capex in 2023. That's their guidance, which is up year over year. Just to put that in context, uh, but it's also the fact their utilization is falling. But with the automotive side, it's definitely definitely continuing to grow. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, we've talked before about some of the really structural shortages at some of these trailing edge nodes. You know, we know that there is structural demand across areas like autos with the move to electric vehicle requiring so much more semiconductor content. And that really still needs to be built out for over the next sort of several years. Um, it was also interesting uh, this week that we saw um, Hua Hong in, in China. Um, it's reportedly had state backing of uh, close to $7 billion for fabs that are specifically targeted at these mature nodes. And, you know, I think we've, we've sort of talked about this previously, but um, I think it absolutely makes sense for China to build out at some of these trailing edge nodes where, one, they don't have these um, US restrictions uh, impinging their ability to get very leading edge equipment, and two, where these semiconductors are absolutely sort of of strategic importance to the world. So, you know, for China to kind of retain that strategic importance within global semis, I think it absolutely makes sense for them to be um, building out this sort of trailing edge capacity. And, and you know, I think, I think that will also be a, a tailwind for, for the semi-cap equipment providers. So... 2023, we think is going to be still a quite healthy year for semi-cap equipment. Yes, there will be some volatility, some upgrades, some cutbacks, but in general, the mood stays positive as the market is anticipating a quite good turnaround in, in utilization already uh, for the second half of 2023. Uh, I, I would say that's the conclusion, really, in, in the marketplace. And uh, exactly. as Jenny said, it, it's clearly... Uh, a favorite place for us to be in terms of holding and valuation. So we, we like the names of ASML, KLA, Applied Materials, and so on. And Netflix reported their earnings last night and announced pretty good results. Uh, they added 7.6 million s- subscribers during the fourth quarter, uh, which is more than Wall Street expected. Jenny, what's your takeout from the report? Yeah, I think um, clearly uh, sort of better better subscriber numbers, and and I think that was broadly uh, anticipated, given we obviously had all the uh, excitement in December around um, the the Harry and and Meghan uh, documentary. As a, as a Brit, you know, I was clearly glued to that. Um, we also had Wednesday, which um, again sort of had had great reviews, and 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 so you know a really good sort of slate of content um, at, at the end of Q4, and you know I think you know that that clearly resulted in in positive subs numbers, and I think likely um, given given the sort of uh, the revenue and then the subs number, it looks likely that quite a lot of those subs were added onto the lower priced advertising tier. Um, So, and and there you would expect um, that revenue to kind of follow through into the year. I think it's interesting though, when we think about um, sort of this new sort of big hit content driving subscribers, I think that's really the, the nature of the nature of the industry that, Streaming absolutely relies on 
this continued kind of big hit content. And that clearly, you know, as we've discussed in, in the past, comes at quite a significant cost. So it's almost like we should view this content costs more as a sort of customer acquisition cost, um, which, which makes quite different dynamics between the streaming sector and, and cable, I think. I don't know, Inga, what do you think? I totally agree. And, and their comment about that we're peaked in terms of intensity for spending, I think it's not probably true because you see all the competitors are spending quite aggressively and you, you need to keep up the content. But if you want to be bull on, on Netflix, you would argue that the ad uh, revenue is going to be bigger than so, so the subscription revenue and thereby this is a, a great way to mix it up and, and grow the company because... If you look at the company growing, say, now in Q1, their guidance around 7 8%, it's not great growth. They're indicating free cash flow of $3 billion. It's good if they can keep that and, and, and not bring up the cost on content. But at the same time, the valuation then comes out quite aggressive. So I, I think it, it's a tough one. We don't own it, as you can probably hear. Uh, we think the market is over so it's crowded with number of vendors uh, bringing out content and also spending too much money in order to get these returns. So it, it's a tough, tough market. So we, we're going to probably continue to stand on the stand line, uh, stand, uh, uh, sideline for a while and, and see how this plays out if, if this becomes a better market in general. And to our last topic for the week, um, gaming. Uh, so we got the NPD numbers that show the U.S. gaming market continued to struggle in December uh, with gaming software down 1% year over year, uh, while hardware spending grew 16%. And uh, Call of Duty is the best-selling game in terms of revenue in its third month on the market, and it's the best-selling game of 2022. And I would say our takeout from this is that the top seller did well in December and the quarter, uh, while the rest has a very tough quarter. Uh, and also remember that Call of Duty last year was not selling well, uh, and this year it is. Uh, and the market is down 1% year over year, uh, which clearly means that the rest of the titles have less revenue to share, um, writing it. I totally agree, and and I, so I think it's going to be very tough. We have seen Ubisoft already warned. Uh, I, I think it's going to be very very tough for most of of the game developers for for fourth quarter. I think it's going to start off quite weak in, in Q1 also, and then we need to remember that we're coming up a very very high base from uh, from the COVID years, but. Uh, we're also comparing what consensus uh, forecasts are, are and so on. So if look at our portfolios, we're staying with the big guys with with the big franchise games, and they seems to be they seem to be really uh, capturing the market for the moment. Thank you for listening, and see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you.